third and six, trailing 30 to 23. Two minutes straight up to go in the game. San Francisco showing a blitz through the A gap, and here they come. Rodgers looking, throws left side of the end zone. Yes, yes, Devontae Adams, left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers. 16-yard touchdown pass. The Packers an extra point away from getting this game tied. Beathard on third, down and three in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking, hit as he throws it. Deep down the right sideline, and intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Sam to Rogers looking right. Throws the right side, St. Brown makes the touch. Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all six five of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds inside the 30 of the 28 yard line. Snap to Rodgers, looking downfield, throws the left side. Devontae's got it out of bounds inside the 10 yard line. Oh my goodness, what a throw and catch. Again, they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee. Arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good. It is good. Mason Crosby delivers the dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. And the Packers win 33-30. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of a Pack-A-Day podcast. It is Sunday morning, the first one since September that the Green Bay Packers will not be partaking in a NFL contest. Really the first time since August we've had to talk about anything other than Packers football, but there is plenty of news to discuss. I am your host. I am Jacob Westendorf. Joined with me as always, and we are back after a debacle last week for those of you that maybe try to stay in Green Bay, avoid the Wyndham on the west side of Green Bay as much as possible. If you have any needs or desires for the internet, because that is why our show last week, which had a lot of good content, did not air. Zach has joined with me, Zach Jacobson. Zach, I apologize to you first and foremost, but how are things going in TV land? I'm good, man. I, I feel bad for all of our listeners that didn't get to listen to last week's episode, you know? We had so much good stuff on there, so many secrets, you know? It's a shame they're not going to be able to listen to it. Right. Little did lost they in, lost in the airwaves. <laughs> Little did they know that we actually told you last week who the next head coach would be, and we have since been sworn to secrecy. I'm kidding. Of course, that hasn't happened. Yep. 
joined with me, and for the first time in Packaday history, somebody over the age of 20 that still wets the bed. That is Will Ingalls from, well, what it was formerly known as the Bears Brothers. I don't know what you're known as now. The because Chicago Audible. The Chicago Audible, which is actually a funny name, too, for a couple different reasons. But the uh, the Bears in the NFL essentially said they had the Bears trademarked and made them change their name, which I think is a little ridiculous. But that is what it is. Your first question that you're probably asking is, why the hell do you have a Bears fan or a Bears blogger on a Packers show? Well, I've brought him because he has some insight on the Packers head coaching interview for this afternoon, and that is Adam Gase. Adam Gase is the former head coach of the Miami Dolphins. He also spent some time in Denver. Uh, under Josh McDaniels, which we will get to as well. But he really got his name made as a head coaching candidate to be the offensive coordinator in Chicago. So Will is here to give us some insight on his one year in Chicago, which was really a an interesting year, which we can discuss um, as we get going. Will, let me start here on with, obviously the Packers are interviewing him to be their head coach. So there have basically been two types of coaches the Packers have interviewed since they've started this process. Offensive guru and culture-establishing football guy is the best way I can put that. So, like, Mike Munchak is one example. Dan Campbell is another example. What kind of coach – is he players-friendly? Is he organization-friendly? You know, what kind of coach is Adam Gase uh, to start um, this this conversation I would definitely cite him more on the offensive guru. That's where he made his money. If you go back to Denver, obviously there was that one magic year with Tim Tebow. I mean, he created an offense that made Tim Tebow a success story for one season, which he deserves a lot of props for. But obviously the main reason I'm here is that season in Chicago. And Jay Cutler's put up numbers before, but uh, that 2015 season, statistically, probably his best year. He was efficient, especially with no real weapons to know. Alshon Jeffrey missed half that year with some soft tissue injuries. And outside of that, Jay Cutler was thrown to scrubs. I mean, you're talking Marquise Wilson, the seventh-round pick that you haven't heard of since or really after he was drafted, unless you're a hardcore Bears fan. Mark Mariani, who really didn't stay in the NFL that long. Martellus Bennett, who really checked out for most of that year and then was traded to the Patriots. And Jake Cutler still manages to put up, uh, I believe it was the upper 3,000s worth of yardage, uh, 21 touchdowns and 11 picks. Uh, so obviously, Jake Cutler, Packers fans know him very well as a turnover-prone quarterback. Well, Adam Gase really made him an efficient passer, making sure that those turnovers weren't happening and really gave the Bears a fighting chance despite that roster being really overall talent-deprived. So definitely on the offensive guru side of things when you talk about what kind of coach Adam Gase is as a whole. Now, I know you go. You talk about his his ability to, to design an offense around Tim Tebow and his ability to maximize Jake Cutler, which I completely agree. Like I've gone on record of saying that was Cutler's most productive season playing football. And like you said too, Packer fans they they make fun of him. You know, he's like a running meme to Packer fans just because of how he's contributed to their defensive success over the years. But Gates was able to maximize Jake Cutler in 2015, and they even have that that win on Barb Night on Thanksgiving. So. Gates was definitely able to get the most out of color, but if you pair him with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, what do you think is what I should say, what do you think is the ceiling? Like how would you how would you rank his ability to get creative, I should say? Because a lot of Packer fans, they 
they look around the league. They look at the Sean McBays. They look at Pete Carmichael and, and, and Sean Payton. They look at what they're doing in New Orleans. And they're worried that they're not going to be able to stay creative. And after years of watching Mike McCarthy and the, I should say, the stale offense and the same stuff that they're doing over and over again, apparently, how would you say that they'd be able to get creative? How would Gates be able to maximize what Aaron Rodgers can do after 2018? So much of what I see with Adam Gase is that he really works the intermediate routes within the field and allows his athletes to work with space after the catch. So ultimately, he was doing that, if you ask me, with lesser athletes before guys like McVay was really capitalizing on that wide open space, getting guys open across the middle of the field, yards after catch. You're seeing that a lot with Andy Reid now, obviously Doug Peterson, kind of that whole coaching tree side. Adam Gase, if you ask me, was doing that a lot more before it became popularized and blown out of the water with a lot better athletes and a lot better quarterbacks than what Gase was working with in Denver, uh, Tim Tebow era, obviously before Peyton Manning comes in, kind of commandeers that offense for himself. And then obviously in Chicago, with what I mentioned, a lot of names that you probably have never heard of before as far as weapons are concerned, Gase really operates like that. And if you look at a lot of the successful games in Miami as far as an offense is concerned, you're talking about a lot of yards after catch. That's a lot of their big plays. It's not a lot of long shots down the field, which we've seen a lot of times as Aaron Rodgers' success is breaking the pocket, buying some time, and then looking downfield. It's a lot more for Adam Gase working that yards after catch. And I think that's kind of been a lost element within Green Bay's offense the last few seasons when I've been watching, especially this year. The main statistic everyone seems to like to throw around is how many throwaways that Aaron Rodgers has. There doesn't seem to be as many intermediate options there where the offense is staying on schedule if there's time where he's breaking down the pocket, the play's breaking down, he needs to dump off the ball. He's not looking downfield. He's going to be able to look for some intermediate routes and still keep the chains moving, still keep the offense on schedule, but overall not throwing the ball away, not staying behind schedule and work that intermediate part of the field like I was mentioning earlier. That's where I think... Adam Gase is creative for the most part. We're not, we're not going to look at this kind of 2011 offense that the Packers have where they're putting up mythical numbers, going down the field and hitting constantly. I think you're going to see a lot of their athletes come to play, a lot of those young guys that the Packers drafted this previous year, and then obviously Devontae Adams getting the ball in a lot of space, intermediate, maybe not as long in the pocket, which would also mitigate some of the hits that Rodgers has taken over the past few years as well. So I think that's what you're going to see if Adam Gase comes to town as the Packers head coach, is a lot more work intermediately, and then also with getting athletes in space. You guys have mentioned uh, Jay Cutler's season under Adam Gase. That was 2015, for those of you that don't remember. Just to go through a few of his counting stats from that year. Uh, 15 games started, he missed one. It was a debacle in Seattle. They were shut out that day by Jimmy Clausen. Uh, or with Jimmy Clausen at the helm, I should say. Jimmy Graham had a big touchdown for a Packers connection, so there you go on that. He had a 65%, well, 64.4% completion percentage, second highest of his career. 300, or 300, wow, that'd be horrible. 3,659 yards passing uh, towards the top of his career totals. 21 touchdowns, 11 picks, and a 92.3 quarterback rating. You guys mentioned the jokes. I'll feel free to make one. Uh, The best quarterback in the history of the Green Bay Packers is Aaron Rodgers. The second best quarterback in Green Bay Packers history is Bart Starr. Third is Brett Favre. And uh, fourth is Jay Cutler. So there's your joke. And with all due respect to Lynn Dickey, uh, Cutler led to a lot more Packers wins uh, in big games than Lynn Dickey ever did, which may or may not be his fault. But, well, one of the... One of the big things that has been discussed is obviously the the relationship that the coach has had with uh, with 
the quarterback in, in Green Bay. And Mike McCarthy's relationship, I don't think there's any question at this point that it deteriorated toward the end. Uh, there was a story that came out the other day with Mercedes Lewis and he who must not be named playing tight end and how Aaron Rodgers basically had a play that um, McCarthy called and Rodgers basically said, forget that, I'm not doing that, um, and called a completely different play. Now it turned into a 40-yard completion, according to Lewis, but he didn't know what was going on. Uh, and that's bothersome for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but we're not here to talk about that. What I want to know is what kind of relationship can Gase build? What was his relationship like with Cutler, if anything has been discussed? Because I think that the media, at least if nothing else, has brought up how hard Jay Cutler can be to get along with. Quarterbacks in general are pretty hard to get along with. What's that? What kind of relationship can he build should he be hired as the head coach? Well, I think if you're talking about a lot of offensive candidates that obviously the Packers are looking to talk to, you mentioned earlier kind of the schools of thought. You're talking young offensive guru kind of looking for the next McVay, the next Nagy overall, perhaps the next Peterson if you're looking for that school of thought. But then you're talking about a young guy who is uh, kind of not exactly established in the NFL as far as a play caller is concerned. Then you're talking about someone who's more or less working under Aaron Rodgers might be something that you're worried about. Adam Gase in that way is going to be probably about the closest offensive mind equal that you're probably going to find on the market this year, if you ask me, outside of perhaps Josh McDaniels, which I'm sure you guys will talk about more later on in the show. However, if you're looking for past history, when I think about Adam Gase and Jay Cutler when they were together in 2015, I would say it was all quiet on the Western front, which as far as a Jay Cutler offensive coordinator slash head coach type of relationship, that's the best thing you can ask for because just about every single other time that Jay Cutler had an offensive mind with him, it was always how they argued, whether that was Mike Martz or whether that was Aaron Cromer in that debacle the year before. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that would garner a few laughs out of you, Jake, uh, as it was a joke overall. I mean, a lot of those other names that were brought in, I believe Mike Tice was the offensive coordinator for a year. I mean, just... Yeah, he was. (laughs) I mean, you're just talking about a lot of guys that obviously did not gel well with Jay Cutler, but overall you're talking about Adam Gase was able to not have any large stories or any large blow-ups. They seemed to work well together, although it never seemed like one was superior over the other. It just seemed like a really stable coach to play a relationship, and I think if there's anyone who can work with Rodgers as an equal, like I said earlier, I think it's probably Adam Gase within this lineup. Now, do you think, Will, that lack of, or, or I shouldn't say lack of, but like the head coaching experience matters in this situation when you're coming to Green Bay to work with someone like Aaron Rodgers? Because we know Adam Gase, he's been the, the Dolphins head coach for the past three seasons, and they were 23 and 25. They had that one postseason appearance in 2016, and they got knocked around by the Steelers in the first round. That was short-lived. Um, well, with the backup quarterback, Mike. He's mostly just been an assistant. Right, 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 right. Um, but prior to that, it was um, he was mostly just an assistant. He was a coordinator with various teams, both at the collegiate and the, you know, at the NFL level. Um, but, you know, guys like Dan Campbell, Matt LaFord, you know, they don't have any head coaching, uh, head coaching experience in the NFL. Do you think Gase's experience or – minimal experience, do you think that should play a factor, or do you think it does play any kind of a factor at all in uh, in the Packers' search here? It plays a factor if you're thinking about bringing in a whole new staff. If Mike Pettin is a guy you want to keep around as defensive coordinator, then I don't think it matters as much, because even when you're talking about the two most recent success, success stories with young offensive minds, 
You have, obviously, Sean McVay in L.A., and then you're bringing in a guy like Wade Phillips to help out. Matt Nagy in Chicago, you keep Vic Fangio a long-established defensive coordinator. So if you're looking to bring in a whole new staff, a guy with connections, a guy who knows how to more or less run a whole team, then, yes, Adam Gase is a more important candidate, a more uh, likable candidate because of his previous experience coaching an entire team. However, if you're looking at a guy like Matt LaFleur, like you mentioned, then, yeah, you're kind of a little bit more worried about handing the full reins of a team. You're talking about having to keep Mike Pettin, which I don't think a lot of Packers fans would be upset with keeping him around. But that becomes uh, that becomes something you have to consider if you're bringing in a young guy with no head coaching experience. All of a sudden, throwing that onto him at once can be a little bit rough. Uh, it can be a rough transition opposed to Adam Gase, who has had that experience in the past of running a full team, regardless of how much you want to uh, talk about his success and or failure within doing that. So, Will, here's kind of the last question here that we have on Gase is, it's, it's clear, at least at this point, for 2018-2019, the Chicago Bears are the class of this division. They won the division by four games. They swept the Vikings. They swept the Lions. They lost one game in the division against Green Bay early in the season, and that required a 20-point comeback in the fourth quarter, a game that the Bears easily could have walked away with hell had they been able to just make a couple plays on offense. They could have kicked a field goal at the end and won that game as well. No guarantees Cody Parkey doesn't hit the goalpost uh, should he kick that, but that's beside the point. Um, the Packers were a third-place finisher and relatively distant in that regard. They won six games this year. Uh, they lost nine, which is very nice. And the Vikings were two games ahead of them. I, I don't think that there's much right now that separates Green Bay and Minnesota. But looking at the Bears, I mean, here's the thing. is We're talking about you know Vic Fangio potentially getting a head coaching job. That defense is still going to roll. Uh, Khalil Mack is around for the foreseeable future. Leonard Floyd is around for the foreseeable future. Akeem Hicks, Roquan Smith. Uh, Danny Trevathan, maybe not the foreseeable future, but he's a good player. Eddie Jackson was an all-pro. That defense is going to roll. Now, whether or not their offense gets better with Mitchell Trubisky, that remains to be seen. With Matt Nagy calling plays, he did a really good job this year with that offense. I believe they finished top five. I know at one point in the year they were top five in total defense, and total offense. I don't know if they finished that way or not, but it's very they didn't. I don't okay. believe so. No. Okay. So the offense took a small step out. Um, but either way, it appears they have a very complete team. The question here is, obviously, Bears fans, Vikings fans, Lions fans are rooting for the Packers to hire somebody like Jeff Fisher, uh, as they should be in this case. I was rooting for the Bears to screw up their head coaching hire when that happened last year. It makes sense as to why you would want that to happen. My question is, You've seen the list of guys they've interviewed. If Adam Gase is the hire, I don't want to say scares you because I don't know that the Bears with that defense should be afraid of, quote-unquote, with anybody. But how much does that worry you that, you know, the Packers are really just the head coach and a quick fix here or there away from being the main competition in the NFC North next season? Well, whatever Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, you're, you're nervous, especially if that if whether it's a fresh face they need, whether it's a couple different plays they need. Uh, you're definitely always, uh, even with our defense, if you've been a Bears fan for any length of time at all, yeah, it doesn't matter. If Aaron Rodgers is on the field, you're kind of scared. You mentioned that week one game, that's exactly why. It doesn't matter. We're always going to be a little bit nervous. Uh, but, yeah, when it comes to just a quick fix like a coach away, I think Adam Gase could really be that guy for you. And, if, and I know Fangio might be leaving, but you're talking about a guy who shared a staff with Vic Fangio for some time. He would definitely be a little bit more familiar with the schemes that he likes to run. Obviously, in 2015, the Bears had nowhere near the defense, nowhere near the talent that they do now, but that would be something that is 
perhaps a little bit of a carrot on the end of the stick to hire someone like Gase, who is very familiar with the Vic Fangio defense, went against it for a whole entire season in Chicago. So that's perhaps another thing to uh, keep in mind as well. Zach, do you have any I know other Jacob questions? I said it was going to be the last question, but I want to, I want to fit one more. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know the Packers, they operated by a running back by, by committee in 2018. They had Ty Montgomery, Jamal Williams, and Aaron Jones kind of toting the rock to, to start the season. And Montgomery obviously got shipped off to Baltimore, and Jones slowly became the lead back. It took a lot longer than it should have, but he eventually started, I believe, seven games in a row before Jamal Williams took the reins, and I think it was Joe Philbin's first game as the interim head coach, but um, how would Adam Gase handle that situation? How would he handle a, a trio of run, talented running backs in his backfield? Like, you look at New Orleans, and I, you know, I hate to reference another team again. Like I did earlier, I referenced the Saints, but you know they're probably the best example of this. They have Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, and Pete Carmichael over there, Sean Payne, they, they know how to incorporate those that two-back system, and they get them both involved in both the running game and the passing game, and they're able to, you know, make them both a lethal component of that offense, and it really, it helps Drew Brees flourish, you know, at, at, at age 39, at age 40, so how would Adam Gase incorporate, if the Packers do end up with a third running back next season that is, you know, anywhere near the level at time Montgomery was, was even, or you know, as versatile as Montgomery was, how would Adam Gase handle having that kind of free running back system back there? Now, this would probably be, just because I enjoy saying the word, this would probably be the bugaboo on Adam Gase's record when it comes to running an offensive system. I think he's always struggled with realizing who is his most talented back and how to use more than one talented back at a time. If you look at Chicago, this was the year that Matt Forte and Jeremy Langford split some time. Matt Forte got hurt. Jeremy Langford had two really good games, and then all of a sudden there was a lot of people in a large contingent that thought that Jeremy Langford was going to be the guy heading forward. And if you ask me, Jeremy Langford got a lot more touches than he should have, uh, even when Matt Forte got back into the lineup. There were a few interesting running back rotations when uh, he was in Denver, as far as Gaze is concerned. I don't think Moreno was in that full, but you guys, you had guys like Monte Ball going in and out of the lineup that were successful for a time and not successful for a time. He Gase is always stuck to the run game pretty consistently, but it's odd how he does it and odd with the people that he hands the ball to at times. You even have a situation this year with Kenyon Drake, who I think by far and away is the best running back on that roster, and you still got Frank Gore, I think, poaching way too many touches. So that's the one thing I'd be interested in with Adam Gase as far as uh, controlling that Green Bay offense is Aaron Jones, I think, by far and away is the most talented running back on that roster. How much time is he going to lose to Jamal Williams and perhaps other options that pop up on the roster throughout this offseason? Because Aaron Jordan, sorry, Aaron Jones should be a workhorse, if you ask me. I don't think, at least for me, that's a very hard question to answer. I'm not sure how Adam Gase would handle that. I'm not sure if he would handle that the right way. So I don't think the problem with Adam Gase is how, he, how much he uses the running game. It's the personnel he uses and the way he uses it I don't think is the most effective as it could be at times. So there you have that. That's that's the biggest critique, perhaps, of Adam Gase. I mean, there's others, obviously. Real quick, just to go through uh, Adam Gase's career. We mentioned his time in Denver and Chicago. Just to kind of go over everything, he started his career as a grad assistant at LSU under Nick Saban, uh, moved to a recruiting assistant again under Nick Saban after that. He was with Detroit from 2003 to 2007, working all the way up to quarterbacks coach, spent one year in San Francisco in 2008, 
was the Broncos wide receivers coach, quarterbacks coach, and eventually offensive coordinator. We mentioned the Tim Tebow year as an example. He also worked with Josh McDaniels in Denver, which is something we're going to get to here very quickly. Was the Bears offensive coordinator that one year and then has been the Miami Dolphins head coach for the last three years. And Gase is an intriguing hire. Uh, I would say if I made a list of uh, people that the Packers have interviewed, he would probably come in toward the top of the list if he were not the top as far as my personal wish. But a lot remains to be seen. He interviews again this afternoon. I want to thank Will for coming on, first of all, uh, for sharing his insight on his time with Chicago as well as the others. Will is under the Chicago Audible, and you can follow him at Will Ingalls. And, uh, Will, thanks again for coming, and uh, we'll see you maybe the next time the Packers play the Bears if we got the preview show. All right, much appreciated. Always great talking football with you guys. So there we have that. Will is gone and off to cause some sort of trouble. I actually believe he's going to be at Soldier Field tomorrow for the Bears-Eagles playoff game, which we will give our predictions for um, in this. We'll only give predictions for Sunday because even though we're recording on Saturday, that's that's kind of cheating. You guys <laughs> would be left to just believe us as to this is what we were picking. As we record this, the Texans-Colts game is about to start, but I don't want to cause any, any issues of potentially not believing people in this regard. Um, Zach... Let's go to some of the other guys they've interviewed. And I don't want to steal anybody's thunder by doing this, but there is some other news. And there's plenty of guys that are going to talk about the other coaching candidates and give you background and stuff like that. But I feel like we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't at least give our opinion on some of the guys that either have already been interviewed or are scheduled to interview. And here are some names, and help me if I missed a couple of them, but Jim Caldwell, Chuck Pagano, Mike Munchak, Brian Flores, Josh McDaniels, Adam Gase, Todd Monken, and Pete Carmichael Jr., and those are the eight that came to my mind right away. Did I miss anybody? Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell, that's right. He was the interim head coach in Miami for a little while, established culture. That's one of the culture guys. So we've mentioned we've kind of seen a trend here. It's either young offensive hot shot or culture establishing guy. They have not interviewed any defensive people other than uh, Brian Flores from New England, who is – it's kind of confusing on if he's actually their defensive coordinator or if he's just a uh, assistant or you know how all that exactly works. I'm not 100% sure. Belichick's weird. The Patriots are weird. That's the best way to describe it. Zach, the, the name that is giving the most response is Josh McDaniels, offensive coordinator from the New England Patriots. Uh, that's where he's had a vast majority of success. He's been the head coach before in Denver with Adam Gase, as we mentioned earlier. Didn't go very well. Uh, He was 33 years old and basically like the guy. And when you go in there as the guy and try to do things like Bill Belichick when you're 33 and there are players on the roster older than you are, that's probably not going to work very well. Essentially, the way this has worked is fans are either very in favor of Josh McDaniels or very against him. And you and I have gotten some similar information uh, I Like I mentioned in my tweet on Sunday, I'm not important enough to call something a source. Here's just some info that I've received from being around the stadium is that Aaron Rodgers' preferred choice as the head coach is Josh McDaniels. Take that for what you will. Zach, I believe you said you spoke to somebody that said, well, I don't want to steal your thunder. What was it that you exactly said? The source that I, I spoke to uh, that apparently has close ties in the Packers organization Actually, kind of similar to what what you were told about Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers prefers Josh McDaniels, and 
the the guy told me that as as far as all the candidates go right now, he told me this last week. So this is before any interviews were set in stone, any uh, other candidates emerged that we know of now. Um, said Josh McDaniels is the one clear cut leading candidate, and that he he he's the guy that they want. He's the guy that Rogers wants, and he's the guy that could that could strike a deal with the team within the next two weeks. I was told within eight to fourteen days. That was the timetable that that I was given. So, you know, we, we're uh, we're coming up on a week now since I was told that. So, within sometime pretty soon, you know, we could be seeing a deal announced. And the thing is, these deals they could be agreed upon. I believe they just won't be announced. And they, they the deals can be set, I guess, in principle. But these coaches they they could finish the playoffs with their respective teams. Like McDaniel's, he can continue coaching with with the Patriots. He can continue whatever they're going to do with their playoff run, whether they lose. Whether you know whether they lose tomorrow, whether they continue winning, whether they win the Super Bowl, whatever, he can continue coaching with them. But he'll have that agreement with the Packers set in place, and I think that's how it, how it worked with the Colts last year. He had that agreement in place, but obviously we all know what happened. Nothing was officially agreed upon. Nothing was signed. Nothing was inked, and the Colts still went and announced the signing, even though it was never agreed upon. So uh, officially agreed upon, I should say. So as far as I was told. McDaniels is the guy that they want, and I, I think it, it would also be, to quote you, it would be kind of somewhat of a disservice to let that information leak out of the organization and kind of prevent all the other candidates from thinking that, you know, the job is already locked up and there's no point in interviewing, you know, because that, that kind of information travels fast, so, you know, there's, there's no reason to think that the Packers just aren't going to conduct and do their due diligence. You know, there's going to there's going to be a lot of these interviews taking place, but I would assume that they want to get this locked up, you know, as soon as they can, just for the sake of assembling their their, their staff, getting everything ready, because the combine is right around the corner. I agree, and uh, I have a lot of thoughts on this information. Um, as you guys have seen, that follow me on Twitter. My Twitter avi is Josh McDaniels wearing a Packers coat and a Packers hat. I said I've resigned myself to what I feel is inevitable, uh, and it seems that all the dots are kind of connecting there. Josh McDaniels' only confirmed interview is with Green Bay. He did not accept an interview with Cincinnati, and that is um, interesting for a lot of different reasons. So, Zach, I mean, just kind of in general what we're talking about here, let's just say it's true and Josh McDaniels is the coach. How comfortable are you with that situation? If you asked me this probably like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I would probably be leaning towards not very comfortable. But, you know, I've, I've warmed up to it. I've kind of convinced myself. I've, well, I've really done it with a lot of these candidates, actually. <laughs> I've convinced yeah. myself that, you know, these guys, some of these guys are going to work out. Some of these guys aren't, you know, like Dan Campbell, Mike Munchak. I'm not really the biggest fan of either of those guys. But, you know, I could probably talk myself into it one way or another. I wouldn't have a choice, really. But, um Josh McDaniels, he's definitely my personal preferred candidate, you know, as far as any of those guys go right now. Um, just because of the time he spent in New England, you know, all the time he spent with Bill Belichick. And everyone wants to use his time in Denver, you know, as some kind of, like, big strike against him. When, like you said, some of that roster was older than he was. You know, I think he was 33 at the time. You know, it, that's not going to work out very well, you know. So I don't think anybody is as good at, the, at their job right now as they were 10 years ago. Nope. You know, that's still, those were two seasons worth of experience with the Broncos that he has under his belt now. He went to the Rams for a season. He was their coordinator, their quarterback's coach, went back to New England, and he's been there ever since. 
So I think just his pedigree coaching under Belichick, that kind of that mentality that he has, and you know, the, 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 it's the pedigree, you know, the New England pedigree that he has, and I, I think he that that will fare well in Green Bay. I will say this: I, I you mentioned talking yourself into candidates. I can talk myself into Josh McDaniels just because of his offensive prowess his ability to call plays and make things easy for Tom Brady. I can talk myself into that. Uh, when you mention guys like Mike Munchak and uh, Dan Campbell and Jim Caldwell, I, I can't talk myself into a guy like that. So that's a positive. Uh, the negative, the things you mentioned, you know, the thing in Denver, like you mentioned, that was 10 years ago. Um, the strike against him was really giving him control over personnel, which – that didn't work out well. He drafted Tim Tebow in the first round. And just to clarify everything with everybody, no, he did not win a playoff game with Tim Tebow. Uh, that was John Fox. Uh, Josh McDaniels was long gone by the time that happened. So just to kind of avoid the misinformation that comes about with, with that sort of thing. But he did not win a playoff game with Tim Tebow as the head coach. Other things, uh, the Colts thing does bother me. Um, and from the standpoint of, Okay, maybe he didn't think Andrew Luck's um, shoulder was good to go, or maybe he wasn't comfortable with Jim Ursay, or you know, whatever information he got that changed his heart, fine and dandy. The concern I have, and the same concern I've always had, is you know, this this era of Packers football reminds me a little bit, not entirely the same, but it does remind me a little bit of when they fired, my, or not fired, excuse me, when Mike Holmgren left, and they hired Ray Rhodes, and Ray Rhodes was bad. And the Packers fired him within one year. I don't want the Packers to be in the same situation next year looking for another new head coach because the question I would have for Josh McDaniels, and it would be one of the first questions I'm asking if I was Mark Murphy or uh, Brian Gutekunst in this case is, you know, let's say next year that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick decide to hang up their cleats and coaching whistle respectively and Bob Kraft calls. Is he going to tell Robert Kraft, thank you uh, for – you know the offer and everything like that, but I'm 100% committed to the Green Bay Packers. And frankly, I don't know the answer to that question. Something else I want everybody to keep in mind is to remember, we have no idea if these hires are good hires or bad hires. A few years ago, Doug Peterson was called the worst hire of the bunch. Doug Peterson is now a Super Bowl champion, and I believe all them other coaches that were hired in the same year have either been fired or are very firmly entrenched on the hot seat. And that is something to keep in mind as they hire the hire the next head coach. Zach, it's playoff weekend. We don't have a Packers game to pick. Uh, like I mentioned, the Saturday games are going, but we're not going to pick those because, well, how does everybody else know what uh, what's being picked versus whatnot? So we're going to go Sunday's games. It starts with the Chargers and the Ravens. That game is in Baltimore. Ravens have a very good defense. Lamar Jackson running game with the Gus Bus. Uh, the Chargers have Phillip Rivers and – um, a, a bunch of different uh, weapons at their disposal, including maybe the best pass rush on the team. Um, the who, who do you like in that game first and foremost? I'm taking the Ravens. I think at this this time of the year, having a running game like that, I think that's going to bode well for them. And it kind of goes against everything I've been saying because I, I pick the Chargers and the Saints for the Super Bowl, so... You know, to, to kind of go against that, you know, here, I've kind of done some thinking about it, but I think the Ravens kind of run all over the Chargers. And even with with a rookie quarterback, you know, Lamar Jackson, I think he, he's the real deal. 
it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. That's for sure. Absolutely, I like the Chargers. I think their pass rush matters here. I think they stop the run enough, and Philip Rivers can make enough plays in the passing game. So I like the Chargers. The other game is at Soldier Field, the first playoff game for the Chicago Bears since 2011. Uh, we all remember that as B.J. Raji dancing in the end zone as the Packers got to the Super Bowl, and it was a good time. Uh, this one is against the Philadelphia Eagles, last year's Super Bowl champions. They got in the playoffs after the great $84 million. Kirk Cousins was eliminated last week by the Bears defense. Uh, Zach, a lot going on here. Who do you like between the Bears and the Eagles? You know, I was, I was hyping up the whole the Miracle Part 2 last night on, on a radio show. Uh, just because Nick Foles is going to be playing, you know, it's going to be the spark of a Miracle Playoff run somehow. They're going to get to the Super Bowl, and it's going to start with a crazy win over the Bears in Soldier Field just because it's the Bears. And I didn't necessarily trust Mitchell Trubisky in, in a playoff game right now, but I think similar to the Ravens in their running game. I think the Bears in their defense right now, it is perfect for this time of the year, and I think it can really help them make a deep playoff run because this is the time of the year where you need a strong defense, and whether or not they have Eddie Jackson at their disposal, uh, I know he's questionable for Sunday night, but whether or not he's there, I think they have the guys that can fill in, and they have you know, they have, they have the pieces, like I said, to make a deep playoff run. I don't think they're, they're a Super Bowl pick just yet, but I think they can make it to the NFC Championship game for sure. I will tell you guys this, if the if the Bears win this week, I will pick them to beat the Rams next week. Uh, however, today I am picking oh. the def- I am picking the defending champions. Uh, I'm picking the Philadelphia Eagles. I've had a hunch for a while that if the Eagles got in the playoffs, they would make some noise, and it just so happens that they have to do so against the Bears. Now, I think that Nick Foles can make enough plays in the quick passing game. Their defense is good enough. The Bears passing game has been pretty solid most of the year. But I don't know if I would call it great. So the Eagles' secondary being in shambles may not necessarily matter. They can stop the run. I think they make enough plays on defense, and Nick Foles just makes one more play than Trubisky. So we'll see if that's how it plays out. But I like the Eagles and the Chargers. Zach likes the Ravens and the Bears. That works out perfect as far as that goes. That's going to do it for this edition of Pack-A-Day. Be sure to check out the podcast on Twitter. It's at Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can follow me. I am at Jacob Westendorf, and you can follow Zach. He is at Zach A. Jacobson, Zach with a C-H. Thank you guys for listening all year long. Be sure to check out all week long. We'll be breaking down every single head coaching interview that the Packers have had. We started today with Adam Gase. Remains to be seen who the Packers will hire, uh, but it's going to be an exciting offseason at Lambeau Field. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. And, of course, as we end every single show, go Pack Go. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast.